Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. In the documentary, you talk about writing in a journal, even as a, like a four or five-year-old, saying that you knew something just wasn't quite right. Do you remember that time? Yeah, I do. Um, you know, the, the, the thing that, that the journal gave me was a place where I could um, share those thoughts in a very secure, private, and a protected area. Because at that very early age, as I talked about in the documentary, you just kind of know that those thoughts are things that you shouldn't be talking about, expressing, or letting somebody find out. So you were aware that it was not right in some sense and you you had to choose to keep this quiet did you feel like you were two people you know i never did feel like i was two people but i knew that there was two pieces i always thought there was one welcome to right lane a podcast of the tampa bay times each week, Times reporter Lane DeGregory discusses her stories and answers your questions. The focus is on craft. My name is Maria Carrillo, and I'm the Enterprise Editor at The Times. Today's topic, from blind date to BFF. Uh, so this is one of those topics that Lane regularly lectures on, and it's, called, it's about interviewing. Um, if you've been listening to this podcast, you know we've talked about how the reporting drives your story, and obviously developing a level of intimacy with your subjects is a crucial part of that. So we're going to jump into Lane's pointers, and we're going to talk about some of the examples that'll put them into practice. Pointer number one, you say Lane is, check them out. Yeah, this is a lot easier now than it was when I started out reporting, um, because I want to know, so I made this analogy kind of like getting an intimate interview is kind of like picking up somebody at a bar or at a party, where you see somebody and you're sort of interested in them, but you have to figure out who they are so you can make a pitch so that they might be willing to give you the time of day to let you make your own impression on them. Um, and so I think, you know, the, the first thing that I do when I get assigned to write about somebody, if I've got time, is like look on their Facebook, look on their Twitter, look on their Instagram, and just kind of see what kind of a person they are, poke around on some of their friends, poke around on what kind of music or movies they like. Do they have one of those like cheesy mission statements, you know, at the top of their page? And, and Be forewarned, of, people. Yeah, no, if, you're pub- <laughs> if your page is public, I'm coming at you, man. So, and mine is too. I feel like, you know, I need, I need to let that be open. But, um, I think the more that you can do so you kind of know where that person is coming from helps at the beginning. And I don't always let on like I've been creeping you for the past 20 minutes, you know, but but just so you have some kind of a context of who that person is. Um, and that forms to me how I can make a pitch. You know, are they going to be um, interested in telling their story? Are they going to be hesitant in telling their story? If so, why? Um, and sort of make myself make a list of what I want or what I need from this person before I even approach them. Now, usually this is somebody you're interested in for some reason or another. Not necessarily you've gotten an assignment, but same would apply, I guess. Right. But when you're then, so you've decided this is somebody that's worth looking into. And then after you go through that process, does it quite often sort of, does it narrow 
what you're going after or, you know, you find a specific angle that interests you or what are you looking for? Yeah, I cast pretty broad of a net at first. I mean, I want to go in with an idea of what I think the story is going to be, but not a hard and fast roadmap of what I have to get or how I'm going to be there. I want to be open to where it takes its twists and turns, you know. Um, but I also want to be really cognizant of, like, how to convince this person to let me tell their story. Mm-hmm. So I let them ask questions about me. You know, I let them drive the bus at the beginning and say, what, what do you want people to know about you? You know, what would you like people to get out of this story? Um, and I think one of the the things that's that's kind of undervalued is is convincing someone their story is worthwhile, you know, that you you – have a story that no one else can tell me. And it's, I often say this, it's a lot more interesting than the one they just assigned me. You know, you have to give permission to people to feel like they're interesting and, and uh, they have a story to tell. So talk about Miss Teen America. So I was, I've actually done a lot of stories with like social services people. And I was writing about this camp for runaway girls um, that they were building in the, where they built in the woods. And they would bring all these teenage girls age like 14 to 19 or 20, I think was the oldest one. Um, ones who'd been habitual runaways, ones who like didn't need to go to jail, but they couldn't stay in a group home anymore or their parents couldn't deal with them anymore or whatever. So I think the camp was like Camp Anasasi or something. I can't remember the Indian name of it, but it was in the middle of nowhere in the woods in Florida. And the girls were staying in tents and they they took their boots at nights. They were on platforms. They couldn't go to the bathroom. They had to pee in a bucket. And they were really, it was like a almost like a concentration camp in the woods for these teenage offenders. And so I was writing about the camp, and then the director of the camp, as she's taking me on a tour of this, um, says, oh, by the way, we're going to have a celebrity visitor next week. Miss Teen America's coming out. And I was like, what? Like, is that part of her public service platform, her project? She says, I don't know. She she heard about it through someone, and she wants to come spend a couple nights with the girls. So then all of a sudden I had a character and a scene and a narrative and a prissy beauty pageant girl going into the woods peeing in a bucket. And I was like, okay, <laughs> there's a story there. So I, I did a lot of um, backgrounding on this Miss Teen America pageant because I thought it was like the Miss America pageant, and it really wasn't. It was kind of a sham. It was one of those, like, send in your tape and your $500 entry fee and write us an essay. And she had a Skype interview. She, there wasn't, like, an evening gown or a talent or an interview thing. You know, it was like this buy a title kind of a, a beauty pageant. And then I thought, okay, this is a different story together, too. You know, it kept shifting as I got the background of it. Um, and then I just wondered, like, why did this little girl want to do this? You know, what what was her motivation for wanting to put herself in this situation that was so alien to her upbringing? And the great thing about this story is you read it and you're like, you start off thinking that you should feel empathetic, maybe, and... Uh, worried about the girls at the camp and then at the end you think oh I don't know Miss Teen America's got a really crazy life and I'm not sure who who's in worse shape here so um, so I, we were gonna I was asking Lane to read the ending of the story because it takes this kind of bizarre twist you go you go through the story and you see her interacting with these girls and who are very nice to her and you know and she's like and she never really had friends and then and then you meet mom and so and then that was weird. Like so, what you must have debated whether to include that. Well, I didn't think it was going to be about that. You know, she, yeah. I, a lot of the story. This was one of those stories where I didn't get to interview her first. I kind of jumped in, introduced myself, and then she was doing her thing with the girls. So the majority of my reporting for those two days we spent in the woods with them was observing, listening, and observing, and watching her interact with these girls. And you know, 
she thought and I thought it was going to be about like what could she give these girls like showing them oh let's do each other's hair and let's talk about clothes and it'll be great to be girly and prissy together and it was much more about like oh man you guys have a much better life than I do and it was this really weird twist that the photographer and I were like wait what's wrong with her life she's Miss Teen America you know like what what is she complaining about and it kept coming back and coming back and come back to be about her mother and so then we were like okay we, doesn't it all it was a, one of those universal mother-daughter themes and like so we realized we had to talk to her mother and she was like oh no 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 my mother's never ever 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 gonna talk to you and so then I wanted to talk to her even more you know <laughs> okay so now tell people what mom said so should I read the bottom of this? Yes, yes. Okay. Read the I should say I interviewed the dad, too. I interviewed the dad first. And I think talking to the dad who was estranged made the mom talk to me. Like, right. if, if he hadn't talked to me and I hadn't said, well, your husband talked to me, oh, my God, okay. You know, that was kind of how I got her in on it. So, Amelia Ganakanopoulos, Eliana's mom, agreed to meet me at a restaurant in Clearwater near her office. She runs her father's plastics company and her new husband's neurosurgery practice and has two school-aged kids plus Eliana. I'm very busy, she said when we met. I have 45 minutes. You're lucky I got away at all. I started by asking her to spell her name. Then I asked her age. How dare you, she said, and you, a woman. While I stammered to explain, Eliana arrived. Her mother hadn't said she was coming. Eliana looked confused about the tension in the air. So, what did you think of Eliana staying out in the woods, I asked, trying to move on. I wasn't thrilled with her going there, said Eliana's mother, who was 41, according to the divorce file. She wanted to stay for five days, but no way would I allow that. What about sleeping outside, with only a bucket for a bathroom? What bucket, asked her mother. She looked at Eliana, then back at me. I was traveling, she said. I didn't have time to talk to her. She told some of her story. After the divorce, she went back to school, even though she was raising a two-year-old. Quote, and I graduated from USF with honors. What was Eliana like as a child, I asked. What did she want to be when she grew up? Her mother looked annoyed. I was too busy to remember what she wanted to be. The bullying began in elementary school, said Eliana's mother. All those mean girls. She came home crying a lot. She enrolled Eliana in private school, paid for it all, since her father wouldn't. He says he couldn't afford to. Eliana's mom said she did all she could to shelter her daughter during the divorce. But Eliana must have been affected, I said, what with rules about where she had to stay and for how long. This is not about my divorce, Elia's mother said. If I had known you were going to ask me all this, I never would have agreed to talk to you. I said I just wanted to know how the divorce affected Eliana. Her mother didn't think that was relevant. Turning to Eliana, she said something angrily in Greek. Eliana stared at her lap, trying not to cry. Finally, Eliana looked at her mother and said softly, The divorce was hard on me. No, it wasn't, said her mother. It was not. All spring, Eliana had been counting down the days. When I called her after lunch, she already knew the numbers. Forty days until she hands her crown to the new Miss Teen America. Thirty-one days until she moves out of her mother's house. Thirty-two days until she starts college. Eliana went to live in a dorm at Florida Atlantic University to have girlfriends and slumber parties. Instead, her mother got her an apartment in Boca Raton so that when she comes to visit, she can stay with Eliana. Again, it made you just want, like, the campers are in pretty good shape. 
was like, she got so much more out of those girls than they did out of her, you know? And the happy ending to that story was the dad and her reunited after that story and because of that story. Oh, really? And he's on her Facebook now, and they had a lovely father-daughter reunion, and her mother had kept her completely isolated from the dad all this time. And when she read the loving things he said in the story, she reached out to him. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I was curious what her reaction was to the story. So you got this impression of this girl in your head based on what you were seeing, and then does it? did she walk away feeling like you captured it? She actually thanked me. Well, first of all, she was like, can you make sure it doesn't come out until I've already left home? <laughs> I said, okay, honey, I think we can do that. So it didn't publish until after she'd gone to college. Um, but she was grateful because she couldn't stand up to her mother. You watched her with her mother, and she was completely cowed by this crazily controlling mother who didn't even know what her little girl wanted to be when she grew up. Like, how was that a thing? You right. know, I just So I, I think it was one of those strange things that it ended up helping, you know? Yeah. Um, so another pointer you have is make your move. This is, I guess, after you've checked people out. Right. And making the move is more about like making your pitch. Like, why should you talk to me? What do I want to get out of you talking to me? And you use the example of Florida's worst mom. Right. So you want to, yeah. Yeah. So, so there was a story that had been done across the state about this and her, she was titled Florida's worst mom. She had, um, she had four, four little kids under age 12, 12 and under. And, um, the, 12-year-old had killed the two-year-old and then she helped cover it up and um so every news outlet in the state was like vilifying her about how you know you've got one son who's a murderer and now one son is dead and what's the matter with you and I started looking into her story and pulling a bunch of her um her files her like social service files found out she got pregnant when she was like 13 and and she had an abusive husband and She's trying so hard by herself to raise these four little kids. And so when I made my move to her, her name was Bianella. When I made my move to Bianella, I said, everyone's been calling you the worst mom in the state. I want you to be able to have the chance to explain why you did what you did, you know, and how this happened. And by that time, she'd lost all her kids. You know, she's in jail. She's The things she worked for and cared about the most were all gone. One little boy is dead. One little boy is in grown-up prison at age 12, the youngest murderer in Florida, and her two of the other little kids got taken away to foster care. Um, so I just kept trying to put my... There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Often the place of her is this young, struggling mom, and what would your mindset be like? And when I said that, I said, I want to give you the chance to explain. She was like, oh, bless you. You know, like she wanted to explain. Had people asked for interviews? before nobody had come her way no, just, just the stuff from the police reports was all that had been reported mm-hmm. and that she'd taken a little guy to the hospital and the argument was if she'd taken him hours earlier he could have been saved so she contributed somehow to his death because he was brain injured were you surprised she said yes yes very surprised yeah. I, I actually i got help because i had a, um actually the woman who helped broker the girl in the window story who would work for the heart gallery had then gone on to work for a nonprofit that was called the children's fund and the children's fund had stepped in to help this 12 year old murderer so through this woman i was able to can you talk to her 
you know, and tell her I'm a legit reporter and I could do a good job on her story. So she kind of helped broker that access to, and then we went and spent like two days in jail with her. I guess one lesson is if you don't ask, the answer is no anyway. So you might as well, what's the harm in trying? Um, And before you made your move, had you done the kind, had you tried to, what you were seeing about her was nothing from her point of view. Everything you were seeing, that's what led you to sort of ask the question. It was all from her arrest and from the doctor's reports and the police reports. And I thought, okay, how did she get to this point? You know what I mean? And so I I got a lot of police reports from Miami where she lived in Miami. She'd moved to Jacksonville. But when I kind of realized like how how hard and awful her life had been at the beginning too, it kind of spoke to how hard she was trying and how alone she was, you know. So when talking about getting to a level of intimacy, you say put them at ease. So how do you do that? How do you put people at ease? I think one of the first ways is kind of how you do at a bar or a party when you're meeting someone, right? We're back to picking people up. (laughs) You tell them a little bit about yourself. I wonder if Dan knows that this is your approach. (laughs) Oh, he does. (laughs) I I think, you know, you go in with a notepad as a shield sometimes and pretend that you don't exist. You're just blobbing questions at somebody and nobody gets comfortable that way, you know. But if you tell them, I'm going to ask you how old you are. I'm going to tell you I'm 50 years old. I'm going to tell you I've got two teenage boys and my husband's a drummer and I've got two really bad dogs who keep digging out of the yard. And, you know, just like a paragraph about me. And then all of a sudden, I'm not a scary reporter, faceless journalist person. I'm Lane. I'm a mom. I'm a wife. I'm a bad dog owner, you know. And I think that makes people at least initially be able to connect with me as a human being. Um, The mother card works a lot. You know, I, I'm lucky in my career that I started doing narratives right after I became a mom because I feel like that gives you such a different emotional connection with anybody else who's ever been a mom or loved their mom or, <laughs> you know, there's there's that moment of connection. Um, and trying to, to, I mean, there's two different approaches, right? There's either like, oh, I know exactly how you feel because this, that, and the other connection or the opposite of that, like, I can't imagine what that's like. I can't imagine what it's like in coming home and finding your two-year-old unconscious and your 12-year-old saying, like, oh, we fell out of bed. And, you know, so I try to decide which approach I want to go, like, as a a therapy, almost like, do I want to bank on the connections and I understand where you're coming from, or do I want to give them permission to go, I have no idea what your world is like. And I... It's not, I mean, it's like a reporting technique, but it's actually who you are, too, right? It's not like something you stumbled into and you said, okay, well, this is what I... It's just what you felt comfortable doing with people in terms of when you meet them and when you're, like, trying... I mean, you are trying to get them to open up, but you're also like, it just feels very natural to you to have a conversation, not to be. It's, that's what I always wanted. But when I was young and covering news, that's not what I did. You know, I dove in with my Just notepad as my shield and I wanted to get the facts and I didn't want them to know anything about me whatsoever, you know. And that changed when I got pregnant, actually, because you can't, like, go interview a shark fisherman on a boat when you're seven months pregnant and not have him go, oh, when's the baby do? You know, or like, what's the gender? And so all of a sudden they were forcing me you know, my my subjects were forcing me to talk about myself. And I thought, oh, well, that works. Okay, we can do that. Like, <laughs> I would imagine one of the pointers of this podcast is don't go shark fishing when you're seven months pregnant, right? But, uh, <laughs> it was fun, but pukey, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you, talk, so you talk about putting them at ease, and you, and you talk about um, one of your pointers is get intimate. So um, how intimate, and what does that mean exactly? Well... When you meet somebody at a bar or a party, like, what's the next step? You know, you want to you wanna go out with them again, and eventually you want to go suddenly home with them. Suddenly we're in an R-rated podcast. <laughs> and my ultimate goal is always to go home with you. You know, like, I want you to take me home. And um, I want to get in your bedroom eventually. Like, I, I, 
I want to start out on your porch and, and maybe like put my toe in the door and then I want to get in your kitchen and then I want to like you to show me around your living room and see what's on your bookshelf and in your fridge and in your bathroom and then I want to go oh can I see your bedroom because that's the most intimate place you could be with a person that's the place that if you're going to hide something you're going to hide it in your bedroom if you're going to celebrate someone you're going to celebrate in your bedroom and it gives you such that's the part of the house that's usually closed off to guests right so if if I can get in the bedroom and see the piles of dirty laundry or the 47 drums piled up in the corner or, you know, whatever it is about this person that holds these things near and dear to them, it's going to be in your bedroom. So I often ask people, like, can you just take me on a tour of your house? Like, that's a good, very first good icebreaker step. I'm debating whether to ever have Lane in my house again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've seen your bidet. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, you're naturally curious anyway, so I guess that helps, right? You just, like, it does, it's not like, it's not like a false anything. It really is, you really are sort of like, you're not sure what you're going to include about these people. You're not really sure what's going to stand out, and you're looking for clues, right? Absolutely. And and this might not be true for everybody, but I want them to like me, you know? I, I want That's the people... That's very important to you. Not only to trust me, but to like me, and I think that comes kind of comes hand in hand. If the, if they don't like you, they're not going to trust you, you know? And well, so, I can see that, yeah. Yeah, that if if they're not if they if they have that well, you want trust, and if they have that level of distrust, they're not going to open up to you. And and I think a lot of times people are like, you know, what do you want from me? You know, so if I can lay that out really early, like here's what I'd like to get at. Here's where I want to go. I'm I'm gonna move in your house for three days. No, I don't start up there. I'll be like, but I want to come back. You know, and I want to tell them like I. It's not going to be a one off. You know, I'm not I'm not writing on deadline. I want some time to get to know you and to immerse myself in your world for a little bit. So your last pointer is the morning after, which means what? You know, one a one night stand. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, very sexual right lane podcast. This one. I, I never know if someone's going to let me back. You know what I mean? So I, I want to <laughs> make sure that I, I get everything I can, but I also leave the door open for coming back and asking other questions. And I mean, of course, everybody says like, "Oh, can I get your cell phone? Can I get on your Facebook? Can?" I, I always say I, I always forget to ask something, so I'm going to need to call you back or check some facts or follow up, you know. Um, but you can also sort of seed the access by doing something that sounds like conniving, and maybe it is, but like leaving something behind, you know. Like if you spend the night at a guy's house and you leave your sweater, he's got to let you come back and get your sweater. I buy granny glasses, reader glasses at the dollar store, a dollar a piece, and I'll leave my glasses at their house. But they don't know their cost a dollar, so if I don't go back and get them, I lose a pair of readers for a dollar. But if I need to go back, I'll be like, oh, dude, I left my glasses at your house. They have to let you come back. So it's sort of like laying laying the groundwork for the next visit. Wow, we are getting some secrets out of Lane now, man. We, uh, <laughs> um, talk about, so under this category, you, you talk about this story called the, His Second Self. And this is a guy that you had written, a guy who became a woman, uh, who felt like a woman growing up. And um, you did an initial story, and then you went back. So, you know, talk a little bit about that one and, and kind of, you know, it is the morning after. Yeah, it was totally the morning after. And this was the, the week after and then the morning after. Because this story was a news story first. The, um, the young woman who covered the uh, Largo City Council had broken the story and wrote this news story about the city manager who'd been there for 14 years wanted to become a woman and kind of outed him in our pages. Um, well, there's huge, giant flurry of media coverage followed that, including CNN and all the local networks. And the city council voted to fire Steve for being dishonest. 
So for 14 years, he'd been the city manager. He'd been this kind of like macho, hang out with the firefighters, go to the police with this shooting squad. He had a wife. He had a teenage son. And we got a tip that he was going to transition. And so the city council decides, oh, he's been lying to us all these years about his gender expression or sexuality or whatever. And they fired him for lying. So I was very interested in the story. And I went to the um, hearing when they were going to vote on whether or not to keep him in office. And there was, I don't know, 30 TV trucks there and satellites and everybody and their brother. And as soon as they, um, in fact, they opened an extra room for the media because there were so many media there. As soon as they fired him, everybody, you know, put their microphones in his face, got a sound bite, left, put it on the TV that night. And I hung around in the city council office until he had to go back up to his office and clean at his office. And I was like, okay, this, for me, I went to do a story about, I had two stories in mind. I wanted to do a story about what it was like for him to be 40-something years old and have lived with this secret all of his life and what it was going to happen to him now. You know, So I went in thinking there's, there's a before and an after story in here. Um, and I hung out with him while he unpacked his, or really packed up his office and stuff, and I said, I'd, I'd really like to talk to you more about... Um, I don't. I, I think my pitch was, I don't think anybody understands like what it is that you've been going through, and I, I think just writing off that oh he wants to be a woman is very dismissive of the struggle. Um, this was like in 2007, so it was kind of early in the transgender movement thing. And um, he said, "Well, I go jogging every morning. Do you jog?" And I'm like, "No, <laughs> I totally don't jog." But I met him at the park where he jogged after he finished his jog, and we sat on this little bench while he took his running shoes off us, and, and we talked for about almost two hours. And then he said, well, I got to go home and take a shower. And I was like, well, can I come home with you? <laughs> and lo and behold, he let me come home with him. And um, he had been sleeping in his office since he told his wife. Uh, um, and his office was lined with these bookshelves. And all the, the top three shelves were all these same like red leather binders. So I'm always looking on people's bookshelves and like, what are, what are those books up there? And he's like, oh, those are my journals. So since he was 14 years old, he had kept a journal every single year, and the page on the left was Susan, his second self, and the page on the right was Steve. And so he had age 14 to 44 journals. How old is that? 30 years worth of journals in his head and in his heart of what he was going through. So that was this ginormous breakthrough, you know. Um, and I think my story came out like maybe two weeks after he got fired. It was, it was pretty close. And I said to him at the time, you know, Everybody wants to meet Susan, you know, and he'd been going to Orlando and Sarasota when he dressed up as Susan and living this life outside of the Tampa Bay area, you know, and he was like, no, I don't, I don't think I'm ready for that. And I said, well, everyone's going to be paparazziing you. Everyone's going to be following you to get these pictures of Susan. If you let us write the story, we can let you control this portrait. I had to get permission from the editors to do this. You know, like that's not normally a thing. But we brokered like if if we get to use the first picture of her and meet her when she decides to come out to the world, then we won't be stalking you down in Sarasota or Orlando or wherever you are. So that was a, a bargain kind of from the beginning. Um, and that, that was the chance that I got to do to do a second story when, when she came out as Susan. So we won't we won't read from this because we're, we're running a little long on this episode, but we'll put the links on there to so the first story and then the second story. But what I thought was interesting about this, you know, your follow ups was that he um, he was actually in many ways happier than he'd ever been. And yet he'd lost 
everything, it seemed like, which was really kind of right. very bittersweet, right? Trying to find himself, he lost everything else. Yeah. And that was that was has a really cool narrative arc, too, because Susan let me go shopping with her. So we got to go to the mall and have, like, a shopping expedition at she Macy's. And she looked great. And, yeah, it was, it was very, I was a very, um, I felt very fortunate she let me in like that. All right. If you have questions for Lane about anything we've talked about in this episode or any of her stories, or if you'd like to suggest a podcast topic, please email it to writelane at tampabay.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-L-A-N-E at tampabay.com. And join us next week on Wednesday morning for the next episode. This podcast was produced by Denise Keenan. Music was composed and performed by Dan DeGregory. Thanks for listening. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.